Welcome to Pop and Politics. Today we'll be discussing the topic, Do Politicians Fear an Artist's Music as an Influential Outlet for Social Anarchy and Violence? Over the past month, we have heard all about politicians wanting to restrict content over YouTube videos, for example, that contain explicit messages or gang-related material, which in turn is made for the Internet Regulations Bill, material inciting gang violence, which some find is a form of censorship to suppress a musician's message and scrutinise a particular unsigned grime and hip-hop artist whose content is too explicit. Today I'm joined by Michael Riley, who is a music lecturer and researcher at the University of Westminster and former member of the reggae band Steel Pulse, and also we're known professionally as Stereo Mike, who represented Greece in the Eurovision Song Contest. He's joined us today also. Uh, to start off with, do you think some rap and hip-hop music does incite violence and deviance, given the nature of the content, and should the, there be restrictions to an artist's message? Michael? I think that some sections of the community uh, would interpret this as being the case. Um, amongst the musicians, I don't think they feel this is the case. And amongst the audience for rap, I don't think this is the case. But as I said, I think some sections of the media will blow this up to present an image which is their perception of what's happening. Well, in my opinion, um, all of art has the danger and the potential um, to talk about everything, from happiness to life to aggression to everything in between. Um, the problem is when we pinpoint just one label on a style of music. Of course, there is aggressive rap, as there was aggressive metal, as there was aggressive paintings and aggressive film. Um, and we're either going to have freedom of speech or not. Now, what artists do with the music, we have a choice of whether we want to listen to it or not. Um, there's a lot of hip-hop which is uh, very philosophical, very um, conscious, and there's a lot of hip-hop which is extremely materialistic and, and violent. I make my choices, choices in what I like to listen to. In terms of the argument of um, whether that brings aggression out, TV brings aggression out of people. Um, you know, crime series bring out aggression in people, but everybody has an understanding that this is art, it's not life. Uh, so I think what we should be looking at is more the education of understanding content rather than banning it. Yeah. So, in a way, the Internet Regulation Bill could exacerbate uh, the situation and single out musicians whose, uh, whose message is simply talking about what's happening on the street, for example. Um, just going to reiterate a passage from a BBC article. Um, Jonathan Toy, the Council's Head of Community Safety, says social networking sites are the new playground for battles between gangs. And then Matt from Peckham, who was recently served with one of these injunctions, says they just want to assume we are in a gang because of our music. Uh, it is violent here, so what else do they expect me to talk about? Um, yes, like I said, he was one of the first people uh, to be served with one of the gang injunctions. Uh, he goes on to say that they don't ban films or games and they are trying to ban what I'm saying. Uh, the injunction means that he is not allowed to hang out with more than two people in his local area, walk down certain streets. He is also banned from making any songs or videos that might encourage violence. Uh, what are your comments towards that? It sounds like an infringement of civil rights on, on many levels here. I mean, how can you stop someone uh, being artistic? How can you stop someone or prevent someone from working and promoting their work? Um, <clears throat> and I think, as I was saying earlier, there's, there's a danger of uh, being, uh, becoming a nanny state 
um, the 63, 64, 65 um, uh, uh, criminal uh, law <coughs> attempted to ban raves um, again because of the the music, the audience that was involved, and the fact that um, I, uh, well. It wasn't taxed, is one way of looking at it. And they weren't in charge of it, and it was youth-led. Um, but this is the state intervening where it shouldn't. Foreign Minister Kim Howell made a statement in 2006 saying that grime artists were helping to create a culture where killing is almost a fashion accessory, uh, making comments uh, that grime supporters claimed to find deeply racist, referring to popular music artists and crews as boasting a macho idiot rappers. What do you think? Well, I just want to read you a line from Johnny Cash because we, we keep taking one form of music and looking at it, at it in a very myopic, uh, very sort of present um, uh, sort of present time frame of view. Um, there's a line by Johnny Cash. It says, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Take that out of context. It's pretty horrible, okay? However, for me, Johnny Cash, and for a lot of people, is one of those huge songwriters, and his songwriting wasn't even based on a huge voice or on amazing musical skills. It was based on his ability to be a narrator in a very similar um, style that Tupac was or Biggie was and, and many other people. So I'm just making the connection to hip-hop. A lot of these street poets are people who observe and relay in a very um, good artistic form that didn't make them killers, um, that didn't make other people killers. So we have to be very careful about what is narrative, what is art, and what is an infringement on civil rights, as Michael says. Um, another quote here is Eminem's, how much damage can you do with a pen? Can I just come back on what Mike was saying? Because a um, good quote, uh, Bob Marley's, I shot the sheriff, but I didn't mean to shoot the deputy, as promoting gun crime. Um, but then Eric Clapton uh, uh, covered the song uh, and had a major hit. Uh, I didn't see anyone uh, approaching him as promoting gun crime at the time. And there's a difference between social commentary, which is the individual uh, within the community commenting on activities, but, but uh, much like a journalist, uh, then to be uh, uh, approached by the media uh, uh, as promoting violence. The violence was already there, and arguably in parts of the country, like Glasgow, Glasgow, where knife crime is higher than London, where gun crime is actually higher than London. So it's, again, the media uh, painting a picture that's not necessarily real. Well, I also find, you made good po both made good points there, and one thing I find in particular is that they are uh, singling out these artists, you know, which are you know, not even signed, but you have artists such as 50 Cent and W.A., you know, whose lyrics are highly explicit, yet, yet they have, um, you know, a lot of promotional backing from the major labels. So, you know, I was saying in context, why, why should it just be unsigned musicians and not major artists? <clears throat> I think it's, it's the difference between uh, the potential to make money and the potential uh, to lose money in one context. If, the, if you're signed to the major label, often it's because of a status that you've uh, developed within the community, say, underground. Um, you've, you've identified an audience supports what it is you have to say. And that what you have to say might be social commentary, but the audience identifies with it in the same way that if a po politician is trying to get elected, they attempt to appeal uh, to the community by 
attempting to relay an understanding of what's taking place. Um, the difference is, if the politician gets in, they then change the laws again to suit themselves. If a musician gets signed to a record company, they change the policy, the promotion, to suit themselves. It's a game here where the musicians often, or the artist is often the pawn. And it always seems that there is just a general hostility towards rap and hip-hop and grime as the medium. Well, for me, there's a, there's a slightly larger picture in agreement with Mike. There's a hypocrisy in something that becomes too Hollywood or too far away in its own success. So 50 Cent to me is a Hollywood movie because it's it's been so polished. It's been, in a way, so successful and so far away that that narrative, as it's been positioned in a glossy you know, production, in a glossy album, in a gloss, uh, you know, uh, it's been handled by famous producers by that point. It's almost lost its danger because it's been, well, and, and some of the actual content might not feel like that lyrically, but it's been sanitized via the promotion mechanisms, via the safety blanket that made it, it put a TV screen in front of it. It's become Hollywood. And, and when it becomes so filmic, it feels like it's a little bit further away from the truth. The difference, I think, with um, an underground artist is it feels very close. It feels like the kid from the estate next to you is saying these things. So it's actually feeling very, very close and dangerous. Um, and of course, we have to, to look at this from the European perspective. A lot of the American records, by the time they hit us, they already feel quite Hollywood. When it's a kid from the, from, you know, the estate uh, next to us, it's close and it's dangerous. And, and that's another part of this hypocrisy. Well, and, and just to continue from where Mike uh, left off, is when we look at the late 80s and hip-hop, the explosion of gangster rap, and we look at where it was being sold, it's actually middle America. This was Bible Belt. It wasn't the black community that was buying it. It was the white community. It's when they attempted to ban lyric. When at the same time, <clears throat> a comparison was being made with rock, and the profanity that was in rock at the time. Well, that's where you have the PMRC uh, trying to censor. Exactly. And it, it's when the society or the system looks at um, uh, a culture, one, one culture encroaching on another is another way of looking at it also. You could say it's, it's just blame racist as well. Um, so you've got the monetizing of uh, the culture and the community. So the instant rap is promoted by the labels, um, they'll sanitize it. But it, when it's recognized by sections of the media that the purchasers of this music are not in fact black or not of the community that it was made, um, they'll then attempt to control it again. And so it's, it's quite a complex uh, scenario that's happen, happen, taking place with many players. But I'll draw a line underneath and say, on occasions, when we look at rap, it's, it's already been stamped as black music. So it's reflective of black culture. So it's seen as being negative. It's seen as potentially explosive. It's seen as potentially damaging to youth. Um, the point is recognized by white society that it's their youth that's buying it. We'll see the laws change. We'll see the resistance. We'll see defenses go up and the defense mechanisms and this, this uh, rant if you like, from the likes of David Stark. Do you equate boys? rap with uh, rioting on the streets? Is that what you well, think? Well, it certainly glorifies it. Actually, it if you look at rap, rap actually, it glorifies some rap. 
if you look at their videos, actually it reinforces the materialistic world that, 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 world that we live in. When was the last time you watched a rap video or yeah. looked at a rap song? Tell me about a rap artist, David. Uh, David, how much do you actually know about hip hop? I'm genuinely curious to know about this because you know, you're a historian, you deal with empirical evidence, you, you base yeah. your theories on evidence. So explain what your evidence is before you make, frankly, what a lot of viewers will find offensive generalisations. I think in, uh, th these are times when we need plain speaking, and plain speaking is necessary. You remember, yeah, need, I took rem facts, rem yeah, David. I'm going to give you them. If you will stop interrupting, you're getting a sort of doing a trainee Jeremy Paxman. Um, the, uh, I took part in Jamie's Dream School. I was involved in this, we used rap. We used rap to explore particular notions of masculinity, of violence, of dominance, of uh, the, the relationship between old aristocratic violent practice and modern gang culture. So I mean, it's very it's interesting. It is historically interesting. Yeah, it makes an interesting point there saying that rap glorifies violence. You know, I mean, personally, I don't think uh, he has much of an idea. I could never imagine David Starkey actually listened to any kind of rap artist in particular. Uh, so, what, um, any comments on that? Um, well, David Starkey's response to um, what do you know about rap? Um, have you seen a rap record? Have you seen a video, rather? Uh, was the TV program. That's his only involvement. Uh, it would appear his only involvement with rap. And it was within a controlled again environment, which was TV. And the other part of that was um, he failed to communicate to those kids in his class. He had a very difficult time um, because his uh, he didn't relate. Is is part of it. And his statement is again uh, a demonstration of the extent to which he can't relate. He's of a different generation, and in this case, a biased generation. And the issue with David Starkey, as far as I'm concerned, is that he's seen as a voice which should be listened to. It's a voice of academia. It's a voice of research. It's a voice which informs politician when it comes to policy. So to me, there's an issue there if he can't relate, but he's able to make those kind of statements. I mean, to, to add on to that, we are both academics and musicians here. And I think one thing we, we've learned quite well is not to make a statement without any facts. You know, um, you need your research before making an argument. That's an academic point. It's a musical point, too. Now, the problem I find with his statement, uh, to, to add on to what Michael is saying, is that you cannot comment on a style of music with your research being quite empty. So, on that research, I would like to add, there's always been at least three strands of rap music, of hip-hop, um, it, it's, and, and the three strands have been protest lyrical themes, party lyrical themes, and aggressive lyrical themes, uh, which is very understandable in terms of where it came from. You know, when Cool Herc uh, was putting two decks together in the back balconies of uh, Bronx streets, uh, it was to entertain, and then people picked up microphones, and we went from hip and hope and dance to what's wrong with the society or what's wrong with the other side, etc. And there was a message brought on top of the funk breaks. And then on top of that, we started having people like NWA uh, changing the tune of Public Enemy and saying, look, we don't even care about changing the word. Your word is so wrong, we're being aggressive. So um, you can choose which type of hip-hop you want to listen to, but all those three strands 
have a historical and real reason of what they represent as narrators. And that's happened across all styles of music. So we got to be really careful here and not saying rap is bad. Which type of rap? Exactly. Which artist did you last listen to? Well, this, this is it. They, they don't go into, you know, they never elaborate on the question. You know, they, they feel that it's all generally summed up into one genre without picking out artists and everything. That's one thing I've found. Well, on, on top of that, I would add, uh, me, me being a rap artist in a smaller country, I have a problem with the fact that only one strand of that, of, of rap music has become so, um, so popular and successful, which is the sort of gangster rap that we get from, or the, the sanitized gangster rap we get from people like 50 Cent. The problem I have with it is it's become a caricature of itself. We've been listening to people talking about bling and guns and, and, and you know, having these models and swimming pools. Uh, it's become such a, such a caricature of itself that it's actually playing fine in all other countries because it's not strong anymore. It's not even scary anymore. Problem is you try and fit in in that playlist a song in your language that actually has a real political message and then you're banned. While swearing and killing isn't banned in a different language. So this is just to add another sort of European perspective onto this, but it's also local perspective. That's why UK hip-hop hasn't had much success on UK radio, while American has. It's Even though it's the same language, the different um, accents and the different the distance that, a, that an American hip-hop record brings, which has become a stereotypical caricature of itself, means that if you say something real and new, then it's dangerous. If it's the same old scary stuff, then it's become caricature. So I think the problem is twofold here because uh, the the generation um, represented um, by somebody like that is a generation who hasn't done the research on this music and doesn't relate, like you said. But the other side is also the successful strand of this has also created a safety blanket where real lyrical content can always find its way through yeah well actually i, I can understand that completely um last week i interviewed a tunisian um, citizen who said that rap in some way was driving parts of the arab spring whether this you know is just a, a boost of morale you know and uh, forwarding a political message over the corruption in these arab states it, it's a combination of again of uh, music being escapism whilst music also being a vehicle or a platform or a conduit um, upon which you can voice social, uh, well, social commentary. Um, I think it's important also to recognize that in certain territories in, within the world, um, the whole concept of rap is just arriving. We're way ahead of the game in the West. Um, so you'll find in the Eastern Bloc, they're just discovering music, musical formats and experimenting with that we did 20, 30 years ago. So there's a different time map as well in relation to where you are in the world, uh, how rap would be interpreted in the world. Um, if you're there at the early days, as Mike said, we're now anesthetized uh, to it. We don't, it doesn't have the impact. It's like talking about computer games inciting violence and most kids will just laugh at you. Um, as to what are you on about? I know the difference between fact and fiction. In terms of rap and the media, the term rap 
is a, now a generic term, is, is a point that needs to be made. It's non-specific, it has no location in it, and it has no necessarily community attached to it. Um, you'd have to be a lot more specific about the content of the rap, uh, the origin of the rapper, and who are they talking to with regards to a community. So I think the key elements here are always location, always a timestamp, what period are you talking about, and always a location and community. Who, who are the community that, that's uh, creating the rap and who are listening? If you don't get these things into the discourse, then to me it's kind of you have, you're at risk of completely um, clouding the issue. I think just on the point of the vehicle, um, music being a vehicle, I mean, that's often been a good thing. You know, we have used punk, we have used reggae, we have used rap to say things relevant to society. And that same vehicle, let's not forget, has been used by the other side to make the, the counter-argument. Um, punk started as a very anarchic style of music, but let's not forget it, it changed into... Uh, some Nazi hardcore bands that used it as a, as a violent means of expression for the counter, well, I wouldn't even call it an argument, but for the, other, for the other side. So this is a bit like saying some, a hacker uses a computer for evil and a doctor uses it to create, you know, uh, medicine and to, to do an analysis. It's a vehicle. It's how you use it. So, we, you know... That's the point. The politicians, particularly uh, Heidi Alexander, does believe that this will have a small impact, you know, when forcing the police to, and internet regulators to take these videos down, will combat a small aspects of gang culture. Um, with regards to the internet, the, um, the state uh, has always taken uh, the back foot on directly intervening. So I'm not sure it will have that effect. However, the state in terms of the police and the, what I should say is the black community, that's very different. Um, if it gives them the leg up or the assistance to enter someone's house to stop one in, someone in the street, then I can see that having some level of impact. However, um, most creativity uh, within music, I would argue, now takes place behind closed doors and perhaps on a computer where you're not likely to encounter the police and they're not likely to encounter you, to be honest. I think we might have a bit of a storm in a teacup here. There is that potential too. I mean, historically, we've also seen that bands have normally um, made a scene stronger, especially when it has to do with the arts. Um, if you if you you know if you ban hardcore music, there's going to be a, a very healthy underground scene based around it. If you don't get the necessary airplay, people will create pirate stations to play the music they feel. So bands have normally had the opposite result. Now, in terms of a direct link between banning certain styles of music videos or or music and that affecting and that affecting um, violence. In the, in the society, I think this is quite far-fetched. I think they should be working on causes rather than symptoms. You know, I think to, to um, as, as this conversation was based on the riots and, and there was this very hasty link created to rap music, rap music has existed as long as I, since 78. Um, I, keep te I keep telling this to, to, you know, journalists in Greece who say, oh, how, how come do you think this new style of music fits into the Eurovision or into an MTV award? I'm like, new style of music? 
do your research, you know. And these riots are a result of, of the chaos that's happening in the European economic community as capitalism is is dying out, as it's become so cannibalistic that we have a huge problem in our hearts and a very disengaged youth. And there were not political riots, there were materialistic riots on, on, on the large effect of it, but to have a disengaged youth who ends up doing that, that is a huge economical problem and a huge society problem. And any music we would have around could have been associated to them and people like him would have taken any violent music and, and put a tack to it. It could have been called punk and the riots in a few decades before. So I think th there is no direct link. I think the, the vehicles will always be tagged to whatever some uh, to whatever somebody wants to make a point with i'd argue that there is a direct link and the direct link is the misunderstanding that exists or pervades the media that is the direct link if we look at the riots in uh, further north manchester and whatever um those kids had nothing to do with the situation in london um they were not listening to rap music i mean it's laughable um it's totally opportunistic. And when we start to hear other bits of the media um, that were not available at the start of the riots, we start to discover that actually it goes all the way back to Mark Duggan, the shooting by the police. Um, so which, and that was suppressed quite, quite early on in proceedings as to what actually started the riots. So we'll see, as I said earlier, that there is manipulation of information here which is generally uh, the media. Um, so if there's any consistent element here, I would say it's the media's ability to misinform the public um, or to inform the public as they see fit. Okay, well, uh, we're nearly out of time anyway. If, um, if there was any comments you could give to um, Heidi Alexander, the Lewis Mempe, who was uh, proposing the bill, uh, what would they be? Historically, there's, I think, lots of evidence to say that youth, uh, unless it's heavily imposed, and even then they resist, is that dictation from the system or the state as to what it is they're supposed to be doing when it comes to creativity. Um, I'm not sure if we, we've got empirical evidence that it's ever been that effective. Any comment? Any final comments, uh if you could give them to Alexander, uh, sorry, Heidi Alexander. I would just, um, I would just sum up by saying, um, uh, working on the working on the real causes of problems, uh, music will always be a, a vehicle of narration, um, and and that vehicle of narration cannot be stopped. Otherwise, we're talking about stopping freedom of speech, and we we're actually adding huge problems on top of existing ones. Okay, well, thanks for your time, gentlemen. Um, if you do have any questions uh, you would like to forward on to me regarding the discussion or future debates, please tweet myself, at Carl Carver, and uh, have a good day.